Welcome to Saga Thing, where we're putting the sagas of the Icelanders on trial. I'm John. And I'm Andy. Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, I might recommend that you start with one of our earlier episodes, because this is going to be a very special episode of Saga Thing. (laughs) And while we won't be tackling such weighty issues as Arnold and Dudley's adventures with Mr. Horton in that very special episode of Different Strokes... What? We plan to have just as much fun as we review our judgments (laughs) for the first ten sagas in a retrospective that we're calling the Saga Thing Quarter Court. I, I don't I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> should I be proud of your clever little reference, or should I be disgusted by the comparison you're making? Just take your pick, or you know what? Mix pride with shame. That's what I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> your wife must be so proud, mixed with shame. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'd have to ask her. I, I think she likes me, um, but let's not dwell on the ins and outs of my marriage, John. Let's start Please. by explaining the uh, the court of court and how it works. Uh, sounds good. Um, so do you want me to explain the way this episode's going to work or how the medieval Icelandic quarter court system worked? Oh, you know what? Uh, we haven't ever done that. Uh, I meant the episode, but we should probably explain why we're calling it a quarter court before we get into what we'll be doing. Okay. Uh, I'll start, but feel free to jump in with anything you've got on the subject. Sounds good. All right. Uh, well, as our listeners already know, the title of the podcast, Saga Thing, is a reference to the medieval Icelandic assembly, or thing, where legislative and judicial courts were held. Uh, we actually spoke about the thing in more detail in our first episode, so you can get a bit more background on how they work there. Or you could actually grab a copy of – well, you mm. should listen to it. But you could also grab a copy of Jesse Byock's Viking Age Iceland or uh, William Ian Miller's Blood Taking and Peacemaking. Both mm. of those are great resources for this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so the saga thing that we do each month is a court of sorts for the sagas of the Icelanders. And our quarter court is similarly based on the judicial structure of medieval Iceland. So everyone's already familiar with the All Thing, which is the annual Midsummer Assembly of Gothar and Freeman. It was held for two weeks in Thingvellir in the southwest of Iceland. Right around this time, uh, actually. June. Right, first exactly. Of yeah, June. This, is, this is the right time of year for mm-hmm. it. Uh, so the All Thing was established in 930 and essentially served as the governing body of Saga Age Iceland. In addition to the All Thing, Iceland was then divided into four geographical regions, each of which had its own local thing meetings to settle disputes and to deal with regional issues. Uh, there were three things for each region, except the north, where there were four. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, can can I pause you there? <laughs> I, I thought sure. I'm a I'm a VCR. Feel free. <laughs> I, I thought. Well, you're certainly dated like one. Um, I thought that you were going to talk about the court of courts. I'm going to. You asked me <laughs> to explain this thing. Ta-da, see what I did there. Yeah. And the contexts are important. Okay, go ahead. Carry on. Just be a little faster this time. <laughs> okay, how's this? The quarter courts were established in the early mm-hmm. 960s to address a problem with the way suits for manslaughter were handled. That's much better. Go on. See? In the past, lawsuits for manslaughter had to be brought to the regional thing closest to where the crime had been committed. And as you can imagine, this would be somewhat problematic for an individual attempting to bring a case against the local authorities who controlled the regional thing. We actually encountered the conflict that led to the establishment of quarter courts, or so the sagas say, uh, when we covered Henthor's saga. Oh, that's right, we did. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't recall if we discussed quarter courts there. I, in fact, I doubt we did because um, they don't ever mention the quarter courts in Henthor's mm-hmm. saga. Uh, but the conflict we're talking about is between two of our thing men, mm-hmm. your boy Thord Bellower and my man Tungu Odd. My boy and your man? Yeah. Yeah, I see what you're trying to do there. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Uh, but <laughs> I'll give credit where credit is due. Thord Bellower, your boy, is the one who started the reform process. Correct. And if I may be so bold... Uh, he was responding to the injustice and aggression of your quote-unquote man, Tunguad, after the whole Henthor burning Blunkettle incident. 
Uh, perhaps. Uh, but what you're leaving out there is that my man, Tungu Ad, was just so powerful that Herstein had to go whining to Thor Bellower and then to the Goldar that are outside of his district about just how powerful Tungu Ad was. So. Well, and unjust. Don't forget unjust. Eh. Hey, his man, Henthor, was constantly attacking Herstein at every turn. Sure he was. That's because Henthor knew that if Herstein made it to the All-Thing, where he could appeal to God's less than impartial behavior, uh, then he'd be outlawed. And, and Henthor didn't want to be outlawed. <laughs> yeah, see? Thank you. Tungu'od's behavior was not impartial. That's all you need to say. Look, I don't deny it. I would counter, however, that he was in a bad spot. Tungu'ad didn't even like Henthor, but the scoundrel had gotten Tungu'ad's son Thorvald involved in the burning of Bloomkettle, so it really was a family issue. Plus, he was obligated as Henthor's Gothi to defend him, so this is a complicated issue, and you're just glossing over these things. Look, Tungu'ad's a great pick. You know that. <laughs> All right, we can compare picks when we get to the Thingman section. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I feel pretty good about my argument on this one. Okay. Uh, let's get things back on track here and finish the quarter court history lesson, huh? So as I was saying, Thord Bellower is given credit for starting the reform movement that would establish the court accords. While it's not mentioned specifically in Henthorir saga, Ari the Learned explains in his Book of the Icelanders that Thord delivered a speech at the Law Rock during the All Thing that year concerning how difficult it was for men to bring suits for manslaughter or other injuries against powerful men outside of the local things. He had, after all, been attacked by Henthor and his cronies at every turn, and Tungu'ad simply didn't do anything to stop those attacks. Well, I would go so far as to say that he encouraged them. That's a matter of opinion. So, Thord Bellower argued that the current judicial structure made it incredibly difficult for a good man to get just results against powerful men. Um, and as a result, the country was divided into four quarters, and three things were established in each quarter, where Thingmen could bring their own lawsuits, and then each quarter would have its own court at the annual All Thing. Hope that makes right. sense. These are the four quarter courts, mm-hmm. or Fjothingsdomer. Uh, basically, an individual could choose to forego the local thing and bring his suit to the quarter court uh, at the all thing, mm-hmm. where the judging would hypothetically be more impartial, and at the very least, it would be more public. Right, which would have worked better for Thord and um, Herstein in this case. Absolutely. Uh, now, the quarter court also acts as a kind of appellate court where unresolved cases from the local thing could be tried again. Uh, there's more to say about it, but I think Andy's recommendation of Bayak and Miller's books is a good one. Just read those if you want more info. Which finally brings us to our task at hand. The Saga Thing Court Court is a special occasion that allows us to review the winners of our past judgments and then turn them over to you, our loyal Thingmen, for a final judgment. That's right. Uh, and since we're going to be doing roughly 40 sagas over the course of the podcast, or at least this iteration of the podcast, um, we figured that the quarter Court concept might work nicely. Mm-hmm. So... After every ten sagas or so, we'll hold a quarter court and review the judgments. Uh, and that means, of course, that we're only doing the first ten sagas uh, that we recorded for this podcast. So the last two, Viglund and Vatensdala, will actually be part of the next quarter court. Uh, we'll have this better organized next time. <laughs> uh, but we'll give you guys about a month or so to vote on the various categories, and then we'll check back with a, with a brief results episode in about a month, um, where we'll announce the winners for Best Bloodshed, Nicknames, Notable Witticisms, Outlawry and Thingman. And then after the four quarter courts have been conducted, presumably years from now, and we'll both be old and <laughs> using canes, um, we'll hold the saga All Thing, where the winners from the quarter courts will compete for glory and the title of Best in Show or some other title we haven't thought of yet. <laughs> They're not dogs. <laughs> uh, but we'll think of something. Yeah, no, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> but enough of this palaver. Let's get the show on the road, as they Ooh, say. Palaver. Best Bloodshed. 
As always, our first category is Best Bloodshed. Now, the idea here is to highlight the saga's most brilliant deaths, maimings, or sometimes light bruisings. In in the interest of keeping this episode moving along, John and I held a brief meeting off-air to narrow the scope of candidates down from 10. Yeah, I think we've done a pretty good job of selecting the best candidates out of the 10 in each category. But if we fail to mention one of your favorites, uh, feel free to tweet us angrily about it uh, at SagaThingPod. Or if you prefer Facebook, you can find us there at Saga Thing Podcast. And be sure to follow or like us while you're at it. And, of course, if you're a more traditional individual, email us at sagathingpodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com. John, right. <laughs> we usually save that for the end of the podcast, don't we? Well, right. But I thought we'd mix it up. And also, um, they need to know where to go to vote. Mm. Right? So that WordPress site is where you can go to vote on the various categories that we're right. putting out there today. Plus, I don't want people to feel helpless if we leave out their favorite winner from one of the categories we're covering. Oh, how thoughtful of you. Well, uh, there is a lot to cover, so why don't you start us off with one of your favorites? Gladly. Um, so this one goes back to the very beginning of the podcast. Ah, that's right. Good old Raffenkel Freisgoldi. Absolutely. How could we neglect our very first winner of Best Bloodshed? Well, easily if it wasn't that impressive, but... Raffenkel's yeah. saga rarely okay. disappoints, and in this case, he deserves a nod. You know, it's been a long time since we covered this one, but I don't think our listeners will have forgotten the time when Siom and the Theostasons caught Raffenkel sleeping and then strung him and his best men up by their Achilles tendons. Yeah, that is a hard one to forget. My ankles hurt every time I think of it. <laughs> um, I'm going to share the best bit here, if that's okay. Okay, please do. Uh, you know how I like my bloodshed in the saga, so I make it bloody. Here it is. Then they got hold of Robinkill and his men and tied their hands behind their backs. After that, they broke open the storehouse and took some ropes down off the pegs. Then they drew their knives, cut through the prisoners' heels behind the tendon, pulled the rope through the holes, Mm. strung the eight men together, and hung them from the clothes beam. You're getting what you deserve, Robinkill, said Thorgir. I think we said it the first time around, but ouch. I mean... (laughs) That has yeah. got to hurt. Uh, I'd yeah. almost rather have a limb chopped off in battle like the other bloodsheds. Maybe not get my buttocks <laughs> chopped off. Um, but the agony of hanging there. Must You'd rather be... lose an arm than a buttock? Well, definitely. I would rather lose an arm than a buttock. I don't know if that, what that says about me, but <laughs> I wouldn't want to be hanging there by my tendons. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's certainly not our bloodiest of best bloodsheds, but it's, it's remarkable all the same. And it's a very rare example of torture in the sagas, so I think it's definitely a good contender. Excellent. Well, I'll try to increase the bloodshed significantly with my first candidate. It's the winner from one of my favorite sagas, Erbigya Saga. Yeah, this is a great one. We both agreed this had to be in here. Now, the situation is this. Thorbjorn the Stout and a group of 11 other men arrive at the farm of Thorarin the Black to look for a herd of horses that had gone missing. Uh, Thorarin refuses them access, but eventually caves into their demands because that's what he does. Right. Thorarin has a reputation for being so, somewhat cowardly and passive, doesn't he? Exactly. And, and this is his moment to shine, or at least after his mother, Gerid, taunts him, saying, It's true what they say about you, Thorarin. You're more like a woman than a man. <laughs> and after that, things get pretty messy. Yeah, I love this moment. I mean, with a mother like that, you almost feel bad for Thorarin. Almost, but he's very pathetic. Uh, Thorarin oh. flips the crazy switch into the on position and then rushes out at Thorbjorn's posse. Fighting breaks out. Bodies start dropping. Thorarin's wife out attempts to break up the violence by throwing blankets over the weapons. And this seems to work. The men separate and begin tending to their wounds. Poor brave out. Poor out indeed. As the saga tells us, after the fight, a human hand was found in the home meadow where they had clashed. 
And, of course, it's Oud's hand. Yeah, and she doesn't even make a fuss over it. No. Thorarin had to figure it out for himself because Oud had gone into the house to lay down rather than reveal her injury, mm-hmm. knowing that it would just cause further violence. Well, and that's exactly what happens when Thorarin sees her stumpy arm. He and his men rush over to where Thorbjorn's troop were resting, and they hear the men all laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is one of the better reveals in saga literature. Um, the They're gathered behind a haystack, and one of the guys has been uh, saying that Thorarin cleared himself in battle of the slur on his man, mm-hmm. the reputation for cowardice. Uh, Thorbjorn agrees, noting that Thorarin fought like a man. And this is all true, but Odd Kotlason adds a real gem to the conversation, saying, Thorarin may be brave, but people won't think him very clever to have chopped off his wife's hand. Right. See, now that's that's just one more shameful bit of reputation for her bumbling husband, Thorarin. But Aud is not hiding the injury because she thinks her husband cut her hand off. Uh-huh. She's hiding it to stop her husband from further violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Aud is lying. As we learn later on, it's almost certainly Aud who cut off Aud's hand. Right. Well, either way, Thorarin and his men hear this and they rush in. The saga mm-hmm. tells us Thorarin made for Thorbjorn and with a sword cut split his head right down to the jaw. Most of Thorbjorn's men also die in the fight, some lose their limbs, and a couple of slaves later jump off a cliff rather than face the wrath of Thorarin the Black. And (laughs) if that isn't best bloodshed, then I don't know what is. I mean, it's pretty good. Well, now, amazing as that is, and it is amazing, Yeah, I think we can do better. Are you serious? I mean, that's really tough to beat. We've got a missing hand, a head split down to the jaw, a leg chopped clean off, cliff diving slaves, a decent pile of bodies. I mean, what's going to beat that? Um... Do you remember Gizli's Last Stand? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure if it's better or just equal, but this should be interesting. Go ahead. Tell us. Okay. Um, so this comes from the end of Gizli's Saga, when Eolf Thordeson has finally hunted Gizli down. He arrives at Gizli's hideout with 14 other men, but Gizli and his wife, Oud, this is not the same Oud, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, hear them coming and make their way up a ridge. Uh, Eolf, of course, is too scared to attack Gizli himself, so he encourages Helgi the spy to climb the ridge and attack Gisli first. And that's typical Eolf, always hiding behind others, attempting to claim glory for himself. Um, uh-huh. Helgi notices this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He says, I've often noticed that you usually want other people in front of you when there's any danger. <laughs> exactly, that's right. But Helgi goes up on the ridge anyway, and he gets himself killed. Right. Uh, and not just killed. As the saga puts it, Gisli struck Helgi in the loins and cut him asunder so that both halves of his body fell back off the wow. edge of the ridge. Wow. Well, it so looks, it's a Darth Maul moment for him. Yeah, it, well, it looks to be like uh, Eolf is wise to avoid fighting Gizli. Well, yeah, he is. Uh, which is why he tries his hand at fighting Gizli's wife out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thing woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she hits his shield arm so hard with a club that he ends up losing the strength in his arm and backing away. And this already has enough to make a claim for best bloodshed. Uh, but I know that there's more, so keep going. Oh, there's much more. Uh, two men grab out and her friend Gudrid so that they can't interfere, and the 12 others rush at Gisli. The saga tells us that Gisli fights them off with rocks and weapons so well that his stand became famous. Indeed. My he demon. lasts for quite a while. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, he lasts for quite a while. He slays four men on the spot and wounds several others. Uh, Eolf is shouting for them to fight harder promising greater rewards. Now, why doesn't he just get in there and help? Well, because he's seen what Gisli does to men who attack him. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and again, he's probably right to hang back. Right? A guy named Sven rushes in and is immediately cut down and tossed off the edge of the crag. Man, Gisli is just awesome. I mean, I don't even have words for how cool my Thingman is. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, but he's not invincible. Aeol's men redouble their attack and finally manage to wound Gisli. Not just wound him, they spill his guts all over the place. Yeah, but <laughs> even that's nothing to Gisli. No. He just gathers them up in his shirt and ties them off. Uh, and then he composes a verse, sort of while holding his stomach together, uh, before leaping off the crag and driving his sword into the head of Eolf's kinsman Thord and splitting him down to the waist. It's just amazing. Good stuff. It's, if it's not the very essence of what we mean by best bloodshed, then I don't know what we're doing here. Well, hold on now. We've got to consider all of the candidates before crowning a winner, but that's a, that is a well, good no, one. Well, no, wait, wait, wait. No, we're not, we're not crowning a winner at all. Our listeners are. Oh, that's right. right. Our job is to review the candidates. Remember, you people listening, you have to decide which one of these is best. Okay. So what do we have next? Well, this one's going to be far more simple. Won't take long at all to review. Uh, okay. Which one are you thinking of? I'm thinking of a uh, Halfred troublesome poet plucking out the eye of Thorleaf for his buddy King Olaf. Now, hmm. I, I don't have to add a lot to that. I just love the scene and the audacity of Halfred. So you you love it when guys get their eyeballs plucked out. It's an interesting insight to your character. Well, I'm sure I wouldn't like it in real life, but uh, <laughs> at least in these contexts, it's one of my favorite scenes in the sagas. Uh, and, and you just joyfully recounted the tale of Gisli's entrails being tied up in a shirt, so I, I don't want to hear anything from you. Well, fair enough. But but if we're doing short ones, I'm also going to add the winner from Eric the Red Saga. I know exactly what you're going to say, uh, and I couldn't agree more. It's excellent. Yeah, this uh, I'm speaking of the mysterious Uniped, right? a one-legged creature who comes hopping out of the forest and shoots down Thorvald Eriksson in the New World, mm-hmm. Vinland. It's possibly the most random and unique death in all of saga literature. I mean, how many people can say they were killed by a one-footed hopping monster in the New World? Not many, I'd wager. That's pretty impressive. That's Well, exactly. That's why we have to include it in this list for the quarter court. Oh, fair enough. I think that wraps it up. So mm-hmm. we've got five candidates for you guys to choose from. Kravenkill's torture scene, Thorarin's attack from Erbiga Saga, Gisli's last stand, Halfred's eye plucking, and Thorfald Eriksson and the Uniped. It's a pretty good list. Yeah, I, but I think we could see a clear winner here. No, 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 no. That's for our audience to decide. All right. Uh, we may have a lot of Uniped fans out there. <laughs> uh, so go to our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com, and vote for this and all the other categories. Wonderful. Let's uh, move on to our next category. Body count. Okay. Uh, we obviously can't do a whole vote on body count since that would essentially come down to a very simple math quiz. And let's please avoid that. I'm not good at math. <laughs> I, I, I do enjoy reading, writing, and arithmetic challenges as much as the next go, but no one's listening to this show to learn how to add numbers together. Exactly. Um, so instead, I'm going to offer up a couple of stats and we'll let each of the four quarter courts compete with the others. Mm-hmm. Right, since there's not really much of a logic to the order we're covering the sagas in, we should end up with a fairly randomized set of numbers. Maybe, but we, we did do a lot of warrior poet sagas in this quarter, and those tend not to have much in the way of body count. So it hurts True. our numbers. Uh, yeah, no, and we also had Bandamana in this section, which is definitely bringing up the rear with only four deaths. It's pathetic, but it's a great saga. It really is. Uh, but let's get to the full numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, our top three sagas in this quarter court. Number three. Eric the Red Saga with 39 kills. Well, that one is actually much, much higher since an entire mm. shipload of men sinks in the middle of a maggot-infested ocean. Yeah, but we can't count them because no. the saga author is a little vague about the numbers. You know, sometimes it seems like they don't want to win these prizes. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Just tell um, us how many people. Right. Uh, don't say about half yeah. or 50 or, 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 50, or, many or nearly 50. Like to, uh, okay, number two. 
Gisli's Saga with 75 kills. Now that's more like it. We're getting mm-hmm. into proper levels of corpse making now. And I have to point out that a fairly high percentage of those deaths are performed by Gisli himself. Impressive fellow. Uh, if anyone is listening and really bored, there's an interesting bit of work to be done figuring out who the individual with the most kills in the sagas is. Mm. Now, I, I thought you were implying that uh, they might be bored with our show, but you mean just generally well, bored. <laughs> well, yeah, Gisli, way. Gisli would be up there, uh, but I think there are probably a couple of guys who can top him. I, I just started Gretir's saga, and he's already killed a flock of geese and flayed his <laughs> father's prized horse, and he's still a young boy. Well, he's got a great career ahead of him, just he, murdering left and right. Yes, he does. Uh, but uh, the, the, So the number one saga in this quarter court, uh, and the overall leader so far, is Erbigya Saga. With 101 deaths. 101. That's pretty respectable. And that's gonna, that'll be tough to beat. It's also, it's a big contributor to the overall number for this quarter court, which is 339 dead. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Or 342 dead. That's even more impressive, but why? Well, we disagreed about a couple of deaths in Halford's and Cormac's sagas. Oh, yes. Uh, And if I remember correctly, uh, I was right and you were wrong. Uh, I remember it differently. Well, sure, but as I've just established, you're often wrong. No, I'm gonna. I'll take the high road here, <laughs> and I'll sum it up like this: Erbigya uh, wins the lead with 101 deaths, and the quarter court total is about 339 deaths. Right. Not a totally overwhelming number, actually. No. Um, I expect the corpses to be piled higher in some of the other quarters, but Erbigya's 101 is pretty impressive. Excellent. Now let's move on to the next category. Nicknames. So this category generally consists of me getting some well-deserved shut-eye while you talk <laughs> and talk and talk about Aww. nicknames. Uh, now, do you have anything new to say about nicknames uh, that we're putting up for consideration, or should I just doze off right here? Uh, look, I can only cast the pearls. I can't force the swine to pay attention. <laughs> sure. Go ahead. I will uh, attempt to stay awake and contribute something here. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we had a tough time eliminating some of our episode winners for this category. And it's it's worth saying that names like Thorgrim a Witchface, <laughs> Goatbjorn, Henthor, and Thorkel Toothnasher are all winners in their own right. Mm-hmm. But this is about the best of the best. And so we've selected what I think is a fairly strong group of contenders. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, this was a tough category to whittle down. There are just so many great nicknames in the sagas. It's hard to pick just seven or eight, much less one nickname to rule them all. Yeah, a little, uh, <laughs> yeah. little reference there. Uh, our first candidate is from Hromgil Saga, from the first paragraph of the saga, in fact, from that fantastic genealogy of Harold Fairhair's ancestors. Uh, we had some great candidates among Harold's forefathers, uh, including Olaf Woodcutter and Eystein Fart. How but in the end, win? I know. <laughs> but in the end, we gave the prize in that episode to Havdan, the open-handed but stingy with meat. That is such a great name. If memory serves, it literally translates as something like uh, mild but bad with meat, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is just confusing. The translation open-handed but stingy with meat gets the meaning of the nickname across perfectly. Yeah, I really appreciate the long-winded specificity <laughs> yeah. of this one. You get the impression that someone was seriously put out about Halfdan's failure to provide a lavish table to his dinner guests. Mm-hmm. I mean, We've all been at a dinner where we left hungry, but I don't think I've ever slandered a person's name over it. Uh, so next we've got no no wait, I, I, can I do this one? Um, okay, I thought you were planning on taking a nap during this. Yeah, but you know I can't pass this one up because <laughs> okay. our next nominee is I, I think a fan favorite, one of my favorites. Um, it's from Eric the Red Saga. We um, have none other than 
the lovely, the vivacious, <laughs> Thorbjorg Shipbreast. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, I have to say, Thorbjorg had one of the toughest draws so far. Yeah. Uh, Eric the Red Saga included names like, well, well Eric the Red, mm-hmm. uh, but also Leaf the Lucky, Thorfinn Skullsplitter, Eolf the Beshitten. Uh, but honestly, there was never a doubt in our minds that she was the name to beat in that saga. Well, she's she's a big-hearted woman, and and she she casts an impressive <laughs> shadow over the entire saga. That's awful. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> we're we're obviously very highbrow on this show, so let, let's avoid any immature tittering at uh, Thorbjorg's name, shall we? Jesus. Uh, well, much like Thorbjorg's bodice, you're clearly showing great restraint. Yes. Uh, so uh, let's <laughs> doing my best. Let's move on with great decorum to our third contender, uh, Gunlog Serpentum. Gunlog, yes, I love this one. I like Gunlog. His name just sounds cool. Yeah, this one's actually a little bit controversial. Since you voted it best nickname, but I didn't. Ah, whatever. I liked Goatbjorn's name better because I thought there was a better story attached to it. Was there? Yeah, no, he's the one who turned out to have a mythical super goat who fathered kids with all the female goats of his herd, creating a race of magical goats. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that, that's just a good story. I, I think that the story isn't the whole, uh, I'm not very, uh, it's not the whole story, if you will. Uh, I mean, we got to think of the nickname itself and Goat Bjorn. It's just not all that inspiring. I mean, taken just as a name, Serpent Tongue is the superior name. Maybe. Uh, his name is Ormstunglu, which uh, Tolkien fans will probably recognize since it translates literally as Worm Tongue. And see, the problem is that that's not a good association since Grima Worm Tongue is he's like conniving scumbag. And I, I really don't think of Grimlog that way at all. Well, we kind of did think of him that way when we did the episode. Oh, I mean, not after conniving. all, we did outlaw him from his own saga. Sure. That puts him in the same category as Eric the Red and Henthor. Well, okay, but it was minor outlawry if I, if I remember. Um, and it, he was just more pompous and uh, a little hard to control than anything. Not a conniving evil <laughs> scumbag. Um, so anyway, minor outlawry is not terribly serious and it's still uh-huh. a cool nickname. So let's move on. Who's next? Uh, well, we've got another one of your favorites, mm. the unsinkable Thorkel Scratcher, Woo-hoo. who won best nickname in Halford's saga. It's not the strongest saga for nicknames, but Scratcher did have to beat out names like Anchor Fluke, not a real Mar the Sacrificer, and obviously Halford the Troublesome Poet. Yeah, not bad. Uh, now we've talked about Thorkel's nickname a couple of times, so we don't need to go into details. But it is an interesting name. It yeah. provides a way of thinking about things like infant exposure that were a part of the difficulties of life in medieval Iceland. Yeah, although in Thorkel's case, the exposure happens not because of the scant resources of the island, but simply because he's an illegitimate child born to his father's mistress, and his father's wife simply doesn't want him raised in her home. True. And that's an entirely different sort of difficulty. Uh, but I think it's an example of an historical reality that ends up becoming a slightly different trope in the literature. Mm-hmm. Right? The history seems to be that most exposures happened as a part of the calculus of survival. A poor family might expose one child to save the others, or a sickly child might be exposed as a way of conserving resources and hastening what was seen as the likely outcome for the child anyway. It always gets so depressing when we have to talk about this sort of thing. It just it reminds me of all the exposed children piling up in my backyard, so let's just move on. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> oh, my God. Your wife's a saint. Um, uh... our, our final candidate <clears throat> is Odney Islecandle, the love interest from Bjorn Saga. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both agreed on this one. Uh, her name was better than Arnor Crossstick, Alvin Backflap, 
or Bjorn, the champion of the Hitterdahl people. Well, I mean, it clearly is. And if I remember this right, you claimed that her name doesn't mean that she's a shining light or great beauty or anything. It means that she's shaped like a candle. Yep. Uh, she's sort of an Icelandic olive oil or twiggy. I mean, first of all, I applaud you maintaining the saga thing tradition of popular culture references that don't mean a lot to anyone under 30. (laughs) There's no room for Miley Cyrus and brony references on this show, is there? Bronies? Bronies. Look it Uh, up. (laughs) Thank you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, She's a a slender woman is the point I'm trying to make. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although I do think that her name carries a sense of light and beauty as well. I certainly don't think it's meant as an insult. No, probably not. But I, I am going to continue to disagree with your reading of that nickname. It's meant to be a compliment. The saga says she's the most beautiful woman in Iceland. Isle Candle, in my humblest of opinions, oh, master of the nicknames, means that <laughs> she's the light of the island. She's the singular beacon of beauty in all of Iceland. But well, I think it's a situation like Eric the Red, where Eric the Red can refer both to his hair color and to his bloody hands. Sure. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a good nickname when there's more than one sort of facet to its meaning. Well, if, and unless you find her skeleton for me and prove that she's a, uh, an olive oil type lady, well, I'm going to continue to disagree. Most but- skeletal remains are fairly thin. <laughs> True enough. True enough. Well, then find a portrait. Let's argue about this on our own time, though. Uh, For now, let's recap our five nominees. They are Gunlaug Serpent Tongue, Havdan the Open-Handed but Stingy with Meat, Artney Isle Candle, the Buxom Thorbjorg Ship Breast, and Thorkel Scratcher. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty great group. Yeah. Uh, I've definitely got two favorites in there, but I'm going to keep my opinions to myself. Please do. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where our listeners land on this one. Okay, up next. Notable Witticisms. So let's start Notable Witticisms off with a bang, shall we? Uh, why do I get the feeling that that's a euphemism? Because you know me too well. <laughs> oh, God. What is it? It's just a quickie from uh, Air Biggie Saga. <laughs> but I'm bum. Yeah, I thought that might be it. Go ahead, get it over with. Uh, no. I was actually surprised that this was the winning witticism for Air Biggie Saga. Uh, it, you were surprised? I was surprised. You fought tooth and nail for I, it. I don't remember that. This involves a feud between two <laughs> witches, uh, Thrarin the Black's mother, Gerid, who we already heard taunting her son's manhood in Best Bloodshed, and Katla the Witch, who was jealous of the time Gunlaug Serpent's Hung was spending with her rival. It's a weird moment because uh, Katla sarcastically implies there's a bit of a romance between Gunlaug and Gerid, despite their age difference. She doesn't just imply it, John. She she won the award for notable witticism when she asked Gunlaug if he was heading over to Gerid's to stroke the old hag up the belly. <laughs> okay, you're right. That's pretty direct. Yeah, stroke the old hag up the disgusting. belly. It's gross. Uh, and your accent didn't help. Uh, <laughs> let's move on, shall we? A good idea. I don't want to dwell on that image of uh, Garrett and Gunlog too long. Uh, why don't you share your first choice? Okay, sure. Uh, this one is from Eric the Red Saga. Uh, it actually comes right after the attack of the Uniped from Best Bloodshed. So we've already got the context covered. Great, because uh, this episode's going to run a bit long, isn't it? Well, no, no, I think it's all okay. Right. This is a very special saga thing <laughs> Special. All. Okay, excellent point. Now, tell us uh, what Thorvald Eriksson said after the Uniped shot him in the stomach. Happily. Uh, after realizing he's been shot in the intestines, uh, Thorvald pulls the arrow out and has a look at the wound. He says, This is a rich country we have found. There's plenty of fat around my entrails. <laughs> it's a great response to getting shot in the gut. You know, I, I love that one too, but there there is a problem with this one that I discovered. Oh, uh, what's that? Well, there needs to be an asterisk next to this candidate because Magnus Magnuson's translation is just a bit misleading. The, the Icelandic is Fet er um istruna. 
which means roughly there's some fat on this belly. Istruna <laughs> refers to a pot belly or a paunch, not to entrails. So I think it's still worth considering. I just want to correct Magnuson there. Well, okay, there you go. Uh, I don't think it changes the meaning too much because around the entrails can still be the belly. Mm-hmm. But we're all about accuracy here at Saga. Things, sure so we are. And anyways, you always get to do the work with the Old Icelandic in the nickname section. and I rarely get to flex my language muscles for the podcast, so. Well, they're, they're clearly very impressive muscles. Thank you. Uh, why don't you share? <laughs> why don't you share your next candidate? Um, at, at, well, at the risk of becoming my own stereotype, I've chosen another dirty one. Um, I don't think there's any risk at all at this point. <laughs> You're renowned for your filthy sense of humor. Mm. I, I can't really think of you as anything but a stereotype anymore. <laughs> well, thank you for the kind words, John. Uh, but uh, but I think you do appreciate this one from Bandamanasaga about as much as I do. Oh yes, and can we just say once more? Bandamanasaga. Such a fun title. <laughs> now, this uh, witticism comes from the climax of the saga when Eil Skulason is verbally attacking each of the Confederates, shaming each one for their failings as Gothar as well as for their personal habits. Uh, when Thorarin of Laugardal, another Thorarin, uh, stands up and mm-hmm. tries to take control of the situation, Eil shouts him down, saying, Shut up and sit down, Thorarin. Don't say a word, or I'll accuse you of such shameful things that it would be better for you to have kept silent. I don't find it funny, though your servants laugh about it when you sit with your legs tight, rubbing your thighs together. (laughs) Now, I I don't want to say what I think he's suggesting here, but I'm pretty sure it's downright nasty. (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure what's funnier, uh, that accusation or Thorarin's immediate response, uh, wisdom is welcome wherever it comes from. (laughs) At which point he sits down and is silent for the rest of the confrontation. Not only is he going to be quiet, he's essentially admitting to the sexual debauchery that Ail has only vaguely hinted at. Vaguely? He just gave a direct report from Thorarin's servants of some pretty odd behavior going down in public. Okay, okay, sure. But he also claims that he knows a lot more. Mm. I mean, can you imagine the naughtiness that Thorarin's been up to? (laughs) I'd rather not. At least not on the (laughs) podcast. Yes. Yeah, save it for the quiet moments tonight before you fall asleep. It's much better. <laughs> now who's the disgusting one? <laughs> oh, give us your next candidate. Uh, let's see. The last one on my list comes from Gunlaug Saga. Uh, do you remember his experience in the court of the foreign rulers? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh, that's hard to forget because Gunlaug doesn't seem to care about how he comes across to other people. He's mm-hmm. he's not one to stand on ceremony in the uh, courts of foreign leaders. Uh, I think we made a big deal of this scene in its backstory when we covered Gunlog Saga, so feel free to go back and listen if you want the full context. Uh, I'll just be referring to the opening of the scene, but it's well worth reviewing what happens after this witticism if you have a chance. The basics are this. Uh, Gunlaug and his friend Alvin Halterdog arrive in Norway, which is being ruled by Earl Eric Haukonnesen. Unfortunately, Gunlaug arrived at court with a boil on his foot, right on the instep, and it's got blood and pus oozing out of it. That's a nice image. Now, <laughs> why would you walk around like that? Well, it's just Gunlog being Gunlog. Uh, Earl Eric <laughs> notices the foot, of course, and asks, what's the matter with your foot, Icelander? Yo, I like how he throws an Icelander on there. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's like a very pointed, almost condescending tag to the question. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and Gunlog takes offense anyway. Uh, he tells Earl Eric that he's got a boil on his foot, which prompts Eric to remark, but you weren't limping. It's just pretty remarkable given the pussy oozy situation. Well, yes, and Gunlaug replies quite proudly, one mustn't limp while both legs are the same length. That's still pretty good stuff. I love it. Sharp and witty comments like this are exactly what earn him the nickname Serpent Tongue. No, it's the insult <laughs> to Eric and his murdered father that earn him the nickname. That's uh, right. He's yeah. just brutal. <laughs> yeah, that's agreed. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap this section up with one more, also from a poet saga. 
Naturally. Uh, four of the ten sagas we covered for this first quarter are poet sagas, so the odds were pretty good they'd be represented here. Well, this one is from Cormac's saga, and, and we liked it enough that we took it to the Saga Thing store and we made a t-shirt and mug out of it. <laughs> and of course, I can't pass up a chance for a plug. You can go to sagathingpodcast.spreadshirt.com if you're interested in picking up some Saga Thing merchandise, but uh, we won't dwell on that. No. Go ahead with the line. Uh, well, I, I'm going to need your help here. Can you play the role of Skeggy? Oh, I'd love to. All right. Okay, the contexts are simple. Cormac has gone to Skeggy to ask for the sword Skofnung, uh, which has some magical properties that should help him in the fight against Bersi, the amazing dueler, who is a pretty intimidating and awesome guy. Here we go again. You have no shame, do you? Well, what can I say? Save it for the Thingman section. I love my Thingman, and they love me. Oh, don't geez. worry about that. Now, you've got to get into your mode of thinking. You are skeggy. You have Skofnung, the magic sword. Your motivation, John, is that you want to help Cormac win the duel with the aid of a magic sword. But you're not quite certain that Cormac can handle the responsibility for obvious reasons. Um, I'll respond as Cormac when you're finished. Right. And the one thing you forgot to mention is that skeggy is also very, very old. Oh, yes. Oh, well, you can do that. Um, so I'll dive in. Cormac, you'll find Skofnung difficult to manage. A pouch goes with it, but you must leave it alone. The sun is not to shine on the pommel of the sword hilt, mm-hmm. and you are not ready to wield this sword unless you are getting ready for combat. But if you do find yourself on a battlefield, okay. sit by yourself and draw it there. Hold really? out the sword blade in front of you and blow on it. Then a little snake will crawl out from under the hilt. Mm-hmm. Turn the sword sideways and make it possible for him to crawl back <laughs> under the hilt. And, and Cormac <laughs> says, what will you sorcerers think of next? Well, <laughs> it's a great response. It really does capture the ridiculousness of the whole thing. Oh. It's like little little snake sna- sneaking out from under the hilt. Absolutely. Uh, it's a great place to leave this section and turn it over to our listeners. Uh, right. So once again, you've got five candidates. Uh, Gunlaug going to stroke the old hag up the belly, which I'm still a little uncomfortable with. Uh, <laughs> Thorvald Eriksson's fatty belly. Uh, Eil Skulison's accusations of perversion in Banda Manasaga. Gunlaug's serpent tongue's remarkably even stance. And Cormac's disdain for magical nonsense. Those are great choices, and I think this one's going to be close as well. I agree, but uh, on to the yeah. next section. Oh, glory. All right. So this is probably my favorite category apart from the nickname stuff. Uh, it's really satisfying to me to have the chance to kick someone out of the sagas. Yeah. It, I mean, it definitely gives a different flavor to reading these things when you know you're going to have the chance to hold someone accountable for being a terrible person. <laughs> it's so unlike real life. Yeah. Uh, so this category is sort of an inverse of the others, right? We're looking at some of the most nefarious schemers, murderers, and criminals in all saga literature. And what we're looking for is someone who's the worst of the worst. Someone who's the best at being a terrible person? I guess so. Yeah. Although for me, there's more sort of a person you love to hate element of it. Mm. Right. Some of the people who didn't make it into consideration for the quarter court are bad, but they're not fun enough to root against. Right. Someone like Ospak Glumson from Bondamana or Proven the Scald and Gunlaug from Gunlaug Saga. These people aren't yeah. – they don't really stick in the mind as great villains. Right. And, and then there are the people that are just in the wrong place at the wrong time like uh, Brand Avaldison. Avaldison! In uh, Halfred Saga. Uh, maybe Einar Thorbjörnarsson uh, in Hrofenkel Saga. They weren't really evil but the saga uh, – but Saga thing does require an outlaw so we outlaw I, I them. S- 
I still can't believe we outlawed Einar instead of Robin Gilbert. Of what? Of course we did. The didn't. poor kid just rode the wrong horse. Well, it's too late to solve that problem now. And and frankly, he gets what he gets for. Uh, and frankly, that's what he gets for breaking his word to my Thingman Frovenkel. Oh my God! Your propaganda for your Thingman is just unrelenting. Well, they're pretty and good. Guys. Besides that, it's a harsh judgment against a poor kid who probably didn't deserve it. But all right, <sighs> he said he wouldn't, uh, and he did. I so, th- <laughs> I think for this category, in the interest of keeping things moving, we'll just provide a short resume of each person's most heinous acts against decency in society. Uh, and I'm going to reverse the order of the sagas for this section just to keep it interesting. Well, I'm sure it'll be much more interesting that way. Fire away. <laughs> uh, all right, so our first contestant is Thord Kolbinson. Ah, Thord. Uh, yeah. Thord is the enemy of Bjorn, the Hitterdahl champion. And he's pretty awful. He's a, he's a bully. He torments the weaker families in his district unrelentingly. He destroys the engagement between Bjorn and his love, Odni Eilkandl, then marries Odni himself after lying and telling everyone that Bjorn's dead. No. He organizes something like half a dozen different assassination attempts against Bjorn, and then uses Bjorn's self-defense killing of the assassins as a pretext for further attacks on mm-hmm. him. He composes a bunch of slanderous verses against Bjorn, and finally, he kills Bjorn in an ambush where he outnumbers Bjorn 24 to 1, oh. and then rides to Bjorn's mother's house just so that he can mock her with her son's severed wow. head. Wow. He is terrible. <laughs> it's pr- it's I forgot bad. how bad he was. Like, if you said, what about Thor? I would just say, what a scumbag. But wow. Yeah. That's despicable. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> All right. Speaking of despicable, um, our second outlaw is Narfi. Narfi. The bumbling plotter of Cormac Saga. Now, hardly Thord, but uh, whether you think <laughs> Narfi is worse than any of the other outlaws uh, really depends on what kind of villain you prefer. Narfi's more of a bumbling clown than a, a criminal <laughs> mastermind. Well, okay, yes, but he's a devious bumbling clown. I mean, he's uh, the closest analogy I can think of. He's the season one Blackadder. For those of you who know what that means. Oh, that's actually not a bad comparison. Though I, I, I tend to think of Blackadder as a more charming and deserving man, which really oh, isn't saying much for Narfi's <laughs> <laughs> behavior. Ugh. This is a little something about you, though. I guess. Nar- Narfi's schemes are almost all failures, and they're goofy failures at that. Mm-hmm. He waves a sausage in Cormac's face to intimidate <laughs> him. He... Encourage suggestively, I might add. Uh, mm. He encourages other people to ambush Cormac. He tries to get Cormac in trouble for talking to a married woman, and he gets a vagabond to recite insulting poetry about Cormac's love, Steingert, uh, that mm-hmm. he claims that Cormac himself wrote. In fact, the only plot he hatches that works is to convince Bercy the dueler to marry Cormac's love, Steingert, and even then he gets beaten up by Cormac for delivering the news of the wedding. <laughs> yeah, um... Cormac's response to most of this is summed up in his reaction to that sausage-waving incident. Yeah. He just smacks Narfi with the back of his axe and calls him a dirty-haired, manure-smeared, coal-biting dog. <laughs> well, except for the uh, insulting verses. I mean, that's his last scheme, and Cormac finally kills him for it. Well, and good riddance. Yeah. I hated Narfi so much. Yeah, you really got worked up about this guy. and I, I, I can see why, although I don't He's know. He's so annoying. I don't know whether his brand of buffoonish scheming is going to stand up against some of the truly evil people that we've got in this category. Well, see, now it's interesting that you say that because our next nominee is probably your most hated figure, Henthor oh, of Henthor's saga. Henthor. Now he's a real jerk. Yeah, he's pretty universally disliked even in his own saga, which I have to say is quite an accomplishment, uh, yeah. given that there are a lot of underhanded schemers in that saga. 
Uh, but he earned his spot on this list. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, he's sort of a financial villain, which is kind of unusual in the sagas. A lot of his objectionable acts come from the way he uses his wealth against people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henthor forces his way into families by bribery and blackmail. He refuses to sell hay to his neighbors in defiance of the law. And he repeatedly offers half his wealth to people who join his schemes. But as we pointed out, he never actually pays anyone. No. Uh, he's also a moneylender, which from the later Christian perspective is downright sinful. But Henthor also gets in a couple of more traditional saga acts of evil. I mean, he lies mm-hmm. about the last words of a dying man in order to justify burning his enemy balloon kettle. Uh, yes, and then when he does burn the homestead down, he refuses to allow anyone out and mocks the dying men through the flames. I have to say, I was really glad he ended up being beheaded by Blundkettle's son, Herstein, and having his head tied to Herstein's saddle. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, although we never did actually decide what that head was going to be used for. I'm, I'm guessing it was going to decorate a pole somewhere. Oh, absolutely. Um, now, our fourth candidate <laughs> is another man who was outlawed from his own saga, uh, the mass-murdering Eric the Red. Ah. Now... Eric, uh, we talked about him just a moment ago. Eric the Red is called the Red for a reason. He's guilty of multiple murders in Norway, uh, so he's outlawed there, and he also might have red hair. <laughs> uh, then he moves to Iceland, commits multiple murders there, and gets outlawed again. Uh, then he mm-hmm. sets up shop in Greenland, where there's no one to throw him out, and that's a little <laughs> bit boring for him. So he goes back to Iceland, picks another fight, and right. is frankly, even after he retires to Greenland for good, he sells his widowed daughter-in-law's hand in marriage in exchange for a Christmas feast. He sneers at his son for his failed expedition <laughs> to the New World, and his only friend is the obnoxious Thorhall the Hunter. True. And, and like Thorhall, Eric is an unrepentant pagan. Now, normally that wouldn't matter, but the author of Eric's saga clearly equates the refusal to convert to Christianity with moral wrong. Exactly. I mean, he's rotten through and through. Um, but we've got one more, <laughs> right? So let's get to that one. Oh, yes. Uh, our final contestant is Thorolf Twistfoot. Oh. The evil bully from Erbigis saga. Uh, he is a horrible person from start to finish. Mm-hmm. He, he gets his name from an injury he suffers while killing an elderly neighbor whose <laughs> land he wants to steal. What a guy. Uh, he schemes against his own son, Arnkel. He betrays friends and enemies routinely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he finally dies of apoplexy after everyone sort of gets tired of his schemes. But he then immediately begins roaming the countryside as a murdering undead monster. <laughs> he, he kills people and animals until his son buries him in a high-walled cairn, then starts up again after his son dies. Any bird that la- la- lands on his gravesite dies or goes mad. Even burning his corpse isn't enough to stop him, and he reincarnates as a homicidal bull that kills its owner before drowning itself in a bog. (laughs) This guy is just horrific. Right. I mean, as we said at the time, anyone who gets worse just after death, they've got to be really, really bad. But even Thorolf, I have to say, might have a hard time being the turd that rises to the top of this cesspit. This is quite a rogues gallery to choose from. Yeah. Well, I expect this to be one of the more hotly contested categories. Um, but of course, we've still got one more category to go, and this is the big one. Mm-hmm. It's time for... Big Man. All right, John. Now, as you know, and as I say almost every single time, mm-hmm. Big Man is my favorite section, uh, even though it stresses <laughs> me out. Yeah, I don't know why it stresses you out so much. Which is what you always say. So, now I know that we uh, we each prepped a quick review of our own group of Thingmen. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, after I looked at it, I wonder how necessary that really is. 
Why? Well, I, I've gone through the list of Thingmen, and I've added up who won and lost for each episode uh-huh. in a completely and you're willing to concede. unbiased manner. <laughs> and, and you're willing to concede? No. The way I see it, I won by a score of five to three with oh, is that how you two see it? ties? There's two that's, ties, so that makes ten. Right? Oh, that's that's entirely unbiased. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I went through myself and uh, I counted it up, and I'm pretty sure that I've won by a score of six to four. See, but you're biased. Uh, I oh, went through oh, and I oh, was I unbiased. Right, I forgot. I forgot to be unbiased. Uh, no. All right. Well, then let's 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 go through these very quickly and just uh, get a sense of how wrong you are. All right. Right. Okay, so Hrofenkel Saga, I think, is really clear. I chose... Uh, Hrofenkel Saga, you took... Hrofenkel, Freys And I took Thorkel Streak. Thorkel Thjusterson. Uh, um, yes, and I don't I think, think there's a, any competition there. I won that no, one. I think that's a point to you. Exactly. Now, quite the opposite in uh, Erbegu Saga. <laughs> um, I took Arnkel Thorofsen, and you uh-huh. took Snorri Gothi. Snorri Gothi. And I, uh, I think in the grand scheme of things... Snorri Gothi. In the grand scheme of things, I think it's fairly clear that I won that. And in fact, if I remember correctly, the poll that we put up, uh, our listeners decided that you didn't even make the se- best second <laughs> right. choice. Uh, yeah, they thought right. you t- should have taken Bjorn. They, they, well, they just like the seal pounding part of that. So <laughs> I, I understand that. Maybe I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric the Red Saga. All right, Eric the Red Saga. Uh, I don't think there's any contest here. Well, I, I do uh, think there's a contest. You do. I have Leif Erikson. Okay. And you have a guy who is mentioned in the saga once. Stur Thorgrims and Killer Stur. Who is mentioned in the saga once. We get to know Go him. Go back and listen to the weaselly way that you introduced picking this guy. Hmm, not sure I uh, follow And you. understand how poor a selection that was. Uh, but all right, if we're going to contest it, then for now we'll call this one in dispute. Well, I had myself right? winning this one fairly clearly. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I don't That's think so. Totally ridiculous. Leif Erikson anyway, is Leif, Leif the Lucky. Leif Erikson is Leif Erikson. He's Leif the Lucky. Yeah, He's lucky. the founder of a settlement in no, the New World. He was blown there by wind off course on Irrelevant. his mission to Greenland. Hardly, Irrelevant. hardly. Christopher impressive. Columbus thought he was going to Asia. <laughs> He's not good with the sword. He has no power. <laughs> He's just a guy. Anyway, all right, we're gonna call this one in contest then. Uh, so it's it's one one with a what we'll call a tie for now, even though you're wrong. Oh, you're gonna give it a tie? All right, uh, I'll settle for a Gisli tie. Gisli Saga. Well, point to you. Yeah, Gisli is mine. Uh, his wife mm-hmm. Oud is yours. So yep. I think we'll I will give that one to me. Uh, but I think Oud's a great second choice. But of course, you know she's not Gisli. All right, but so far I'm in the lead. Yes, That's right now you are in the lead two, two and a half to one and a half. <laughs> okay, uh, if you want to do Henthor's Saga. Okay, and now we're tied again. Oh, Tunguad, yeah. Well, you know, I, yeah, I can make an I argument, have Thord but Bellower, I gave you Thor Bellower. And you have Tunguad. Yes, I gave you a win on that. Uh, yeah, so that's two and a half to two and a half. Bondamanasaga. Yeah, it's a tie. No. It's definitely a tie. I have Ofig Skithison. Ofig Skithison is an old man who just happens to have a good idea. Whose wit is favorably compared by scholars with Ale, with Njal... Yeah. Uh, these are That's the greatest cause... minds of the sagas, and he is favorably compared with them. Ah, big deal. You have Beard Brody Bjarnason. <laughs> I challenge you right now on the air to tell me two things about Beard Brody. And I'll, gr- I'll grant you one of them is he has a beard. Yes. Uh, uh, he, What's the other? He was in Bondamana Saga. <laughs> and he was very... Uh, Win for me. Powerful. Not a tie. Win for me. Not a tie. You don't even know anything about him, and he's your thing man. I'll figure I him out. Take a point. <laughs> Gunlog Saga. 
Yeah, Gunlog Saga. Scofty the Law Speaker for me. That was your revenge for Stur. You took a minor, minor character. Scofty appears multiple times and, in fact, influences the action at several points in the saga. Sure. Well, so does Stur. Thorstein Ailson, who you admitted at the time was a second choice because you were yeah. furious that I'd taken Scofty when you wanted him. That's fine. Well, I wasn't going to uh, take which, Scofty. So right now, I believe I'm up four and a half to two. Mm, is that half. how you see it? It is. Uh, but we're about to go back, in, we're about to go into an area where you come off pretty well. So, Halford Saga, you've got Halford, and I've got Gris Samingson. I love how you just said that. Uh, I, I've got I, Gris. Look, Gris is a fine second choice, but he's clearly the second choice. Right. So, point to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bercy the Dueler for you in Cormac Saga, Cormac Ogmunderson for me in Cormac Saga. Now you're smiling as if having Cormac is a real feather in your cap. Cormac is not. Widely acknowledged as the second greatest poet of the Viking Age. We talked about why that second is. Second only to Ale Skallagrimson. I, I've been reading Gretter's Saga and Gretter's poetry is far better than Cormac's. <laughs> Plus, Bercy the Dueler is the better person. Uh, well, I personally feel this is a victory for me. Um, but I know you've got this whole thing about Bercy being the better choice. We can leave this one in dispute for now. All we'll right. Call it a tie. Uh, and Bjorn, and then, uh, champion of the Hidardel mm-hmm. people. It's Bjorn, champion of the Hidardel people, my thingman, mm-hmm. versus yours, who is Thorstein Kugison, who I have not, I'm sure he's the son of Kugi. He is, uh, Kugi. the moral center of the story. He's the one who introduces a Christian aesthetic before Christianity is introduced to Iceland. Um, he's the one who seeks a peaceable solution in revenge for the death of Bjorn, mm. showing that he is the higher man, the, uh, taking the high road. Uh, but I'll grant you that Bjorn is a good choice. All right. Uh, which in fact means we're tied. Ah, well. <laughs> uh, it's four wins for what you, four wins for me, and two in dispute. Two in dispute. Um, so I kind of think we do actually need to go to our discussions and defenses of our own yep. selections. I guess we do. Since you've, uh, argued and bullied your way in. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'd like to know when you had five, three, and two, which were the only three you granted me? Uh, I gave you Erbig Yasaga with Snorri Kothi. Uh-huh. I gave you Henthorir with Thord mm-hmm. Bellower. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, in retrospect, I, I wouldn't now. Oh. And uh, I also gave you Gunlog with uh, Skafti Law Speaker. Uh-huh. I, That's it. That's all you were going to grant. I grant you that right. Eric you the Red. You are ridiculous. Eric the Red, where you had Leif Erikson. Oh, I gave you, you a, are. Uh, oh, no, I said I won that one, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were nonsensical. Anyway. Well, I gave you a tie. Right. I gave you a tie so, with uh, Cormac. Um, we decided fair. beforehand that you're going to go first. Yes. Um, so... Why don't you go ahead? We've, we've decided, by the way, uh, in the interest of keeping this to time, uh, that each of us is going to be allowed three minutes in which to make a case for our own thingman, and the other uh, person will then be allowed two minutes to respond, and then we'll allow like a minute for the initial person to rebut that okay. response, And it, uh, trying to keep this confined. And I wonder if it'll break down into just a, a shouting match. Well, it really should. How well? How we're well? Supposed, we're supposed to be adults here. How well can we control ourselves? <laughs> well, all I can say is I've got a stopwatch app on my phone that I'm going to be starting when your three minutes begins. Oh my goodness! So you tell me when you'd like to start, and I will hit the button. I am ready. All right, go for it. Okay, so I don't feel like I need to speak all that long on the strengths of my thingman. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a very impressive group from top to bottom, excluding perhaps only Beard Brody, but he's still better than Ulfig Skidison, the old man. 
Now, <laughs> rather than run through each of the Thingmen again, um, I'm just going to explain a little bit about my philosophy of Thingmen choosing. Now, I tried my best throughout this first quarter to choose Thingmen who were not only reputable men, but also decent and good men. Now, with the possible exception of Tungu Odd, whose arrogance is front and center in Henthorir Saga, all of my Thingmen are good people. Now, you might point to <laughs> Hrofenkel. Don't you laugh. You, this is my time. Now, you might point to Hrofenkel, who also abused his power, but I'll remind you that he was reformed after being tortured and losing everything. He learned from his mistakes. Am I allowed to laugh during yours? <laughs> he became a powerful Gothi, and he fits into my definition of excellence in the Icelandic sagas. Now, let's go one step further on this aspect of my Thingman and speak about Arnkel and Snorri Gothi for a moment. Now, I'll admit that I wanted Snorri, but that was largely because he's one of my favorite schemers in the sagas. He's just a cool character. But Arnkel is far more worthy and noble. He's a leader who earns the respect of his peers, as opposed to Snorri, who manipulates his way to power. Again, I'm looking for Thingmen whose strong character distinguishes them from the average Icelander. And from this perspective, Arnkel is far superior to Snorri. He just happens to have lost the battle for territory and power against the more conniving Snorri. Now, I wasn't only seeking strong moral character. I also sought Thingmen who have power and influence in their regions. Tungu Odd may be a negative character, but there are few more powerful figures we've encountered so far. Thord Bellower, he's interesting, and I gave you credit for choosing him. I even let you win that one. But I think Tungu Odd carries a bigger stick, let me. and he hits a whole lot harder in the world of Icelandic politics. <clears throat> The majority of my Thingmen are men who have connections. They play the social game of Icelandic politics very well. Except, maybe, Halfred. He doesn't. Um, lastly, I sought Thingmen who were capable with a sword or an axe. And if you look at our Thingmen and honestly consider, John, what would happen if my group decided to prevent legal action, as Yokel so eloquently put it, render this case void with our axe hammers? Who would win that battle? Cormac and Aud, the wife of Gisli, are the best fighters in your group. I've got <laughs> Gisli himself, one of the greatest fighters in Iceland's history. I've got Hrofenkel, Arnkel, Killer Stur, Halfred, Bersi the Dueler, and Bjorn, champion of the Hitardal people. Now, I'd mentioned Thorstein Aelson, but I don't recall much about him other than the fact that he's the son of Ael Skallagrim. <laughs> that in and of itself is really something, but I bet he can handle sword at least as well as your best fighter. So when you look at my group of Thingmen listeners... Think of the triangle that is nature's strongest shape. We've got a strong base. Oh, yeah, that'll be three minutes. Thank you. You need to stop right We've got a strong base of... That is is three minutes, sir. Three (laughs) minutes. Your time is up, sir. Uh, You've had your three minutes, sir. Are you going to let me just do my conclusion? (laughs) No. That's your three minutes. Uh, But you distracted me. Oh, I'm going to speak now. Um, I I get two minutes in which to criticize you. Uh, So I'm going to... I've got to start the timer. Ready? I've got a timer going. Ready? Set, go. Oh, look, I did okay. to you. There's no question but that there's a close contest between our teams. But I think a couple of things leap out <laughs> as weaknesses in your argument and in your group of Thingmen. One, your team is made up of, in large part of men who can reasonably be thought of as the villains of the saga in which they appear. Hardly. Frovengel Frasegothi murders an unarmed boy for riding his horse and bullies his neighbors. Killer Stuart betrays his allies in battle and kills a man who's fighting by his side. Tunguod steals inheritable land from the son of a murdered man after that son asks him for help. Bersi the Dueler is Cormac's enemy, marries Cormac's love, and kills more than three dozen men in his life. 
And Beard Brody is one of the ringleaders of a group of corrupt chieftains who try to destroy the life of an honest and popular man because they're jealous of his wealth. I have never seen such a wretched hive of scum and villainy <laughs> as you have managed to accumulate. Are you Two, serious? You have accused me of caring more about famous names than good figures. That's true. Names like Leaf the Lucky or Snorri Gothi. But let's look at facts. In the five sagas where you've chosen first, four times you've chosen the guy the saga's named after. <laughs> well, there weren't many choices. And those aren't even always the best men in the saga. Here they are. Hrobenkill. Gisli, Halfred, and Bjorn Hitterdahl champion. Now, Gisli, I grant you, is a legit pick. But those others are somewhat questionable, mm. and in some cases, they were outshone by their opponents. Silly. Oh, and for comparison's sake, I've only once chosen the eponymous figure of a saga. That would be Cormac. I think what we learn from this is that while you do a good job of reading the saga's title, <laughs> I pay more attention to the actual saga. You're hilarious. Lastly, you repeatedly acknowledge during the selection process that I've gotten the guys you wanted. Listeners need only review Air Biggest Saga or the Gunlog episode to remember how upset you were that I got Snorri Gothi and Skafti the Law Speaker, men you those intended your to take yourself. I gave you those. So by your, by, by your own statement, I've beaten you in situations where we were picking. Time's up. That is all I have to say. Time's up. That's enough of that. You have, sir, you now have one minute to respond to my statement. Uh, I will start by saying you are a ridiculous fool. <laughs> And you would have chosen all of those men had you had the opportunity just because there's no one else to pick in the saga. How often have you complained that, well, I guess I'll settle for this gentleman. So I'll leave that where it is. Now, I want to remind my listeners to think of the triangle, nature's strongest shape. We've got a strong base of physical and political power. And at the apex, we have character. Now, I'm not sure what more I should say about all of this. Character, he said. Character. With only a few exceptions, I've got everyone in the sagas that I've wanted. Um, <laughs> and and I feel confident, John, that my Thingman could best yours if put to the test. Whether that's at the all thing or if things get a little messy, eh, maybe just outside where we can settle things with our swords and axes. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to rest my case. Excellent. Well done. Mm. Uh, well, I think we'll have to let the listeners decide whether you made a convincing argument. Uh, I feel quite confident in my rebuttal. I feel quite confident in... Uh, I don't even feel like I need to make a full statement. Oh, well, then don't. Uh, because I feel that there are so many flaws in yours. I feel but, I feel quite confident that you were uh, terribly distracting and annoying while I was trying to talk. What? <laughs> um, our, anyway. our listeners, our poor listeners, can't see that. Oh, that's terrible. Um, uh, you let me know when you'd like me to begin. So now, now it's going to be my turn... I'll be allowed three minutes to make my case. Andy will be allowed two minutes to respond. And I will be allowed a one-minute rebuttal. Well, you, why don't you start? So, Andy, uh, why don't you tell me when you'd like me to start? Start right now. All right, I'll begin. I want to start by saying that this is indeed a close contest, which only makes sense given the nature of what we're doing. There are a lot of criteria we can use to judge the relative quality of our picks. I'm going to suggest five criteria that seem pretty definitive to me, and then I'll explain why I think they show that I've put together the better set of Thingmen so far. The five criteria are political power, historical significance, general badassery, brains, and the most entertaining group to have over for a party. If you think I've missed an important category, feel free to let me know during your response, but I think those are a pretty encompassing set of criteria. Now let's walk through these categories one by one and see how we fare. Political power. Your top three in this category are probably Tunguad, Kravenkel, and Beard Brody Bjarnason. My top three, Snorri Gothi, Skafti the Law Speaker, and Thord Bellower the most famous law speaker of the Saga Age, and two of the greatest chieftains of the Saga Age. 
I don't think this is a contest. One for me. <clears throat> Two, historical significance. Your most significant figures historically are probably Tunguad, Gizli Sersen, and you'd have to come up with another one yourself. Killer Store, maybe? Beard Brody? I don't know. Who's Beard Brody? Mine are Leaf the Lucky, the man credited with settling the New World five centuries before Columbus, Snorri Gothi, and Scofty Lawspeaker. I'm going to call that an historic second straight point for me. Three, General Badassery. Honestly, I think you've got me on this one. <laughs> you've got you've got Bercy the Dueler, Gisli Sersen, and Killer Store. I grant you. My top three are probably my two veterans of the Varangian Guard, Thorkel Streak and Gris Samingson, and then either Cormac or maybe Thor Bellower. So that's a muscle-bound point to you. But my guys are probably sneakier. Don't forget, I've got Snorri Gothi leading them. So don't try anything. <laughs> Number four, Brains. You've got, honestly, I'm not sure who your brain trust is supposed to be. Killer Store. I probably. suppose Arnkel Thorolfsson and your poets, Halford and Bjorn. I've got Cormac, widely recognized as the second best poet in Saga Age Iceland. Ofig Skivison, the brilliant old man from Bondamana, whose schemes, you'll remember, are favorably compared to those of no less a figure than Njalf Thorgerson. And Skofti Lawspeaker. Or Snorri Gothi. Or Thord Bellower. <laughs> Or Thorstein Kugason, or Odd Vestin's daughter. Honestly, this is probably my strongest category. That's a wise, witty, and clever point to me. Three to one so far. Number five. Whose group would you want to have a party with? Your gang are mostly hired muscle and bullies. As I said, mostly the villains of their sagas. No. Probkill, Tungu Odd, Killer Store, Beard Brody. These are horrible people to have a party with. I suppose you have a couple of middling quality poets to liven things up just a little bit. I've got Ofig to tell jokes, Cormac to regale us with his poetry, Leif Erikson to tell us stories of the new world, Oud to be the perfect no-nonsense hostess. I've got several upstanding members of the community, like Oud, Thorkel Streak, Gris Samingson, and Thorstel Kugason, all of whom we acknowledge as the moral centers of their sagas. And I've got Snorri, Skofti, and Thord Bellower for star power. Mine is clearly the Winter Nights party to be at for one minute. Time's up. Wow. Well done. Very well done. So uh, you have two minutes to respond, sir. I don't, I don't have two minutes of things to say about your guys. Of course not. To be honest with you. All right. Uh, <laughs> you can just concede if you want. Remind me what your five points of blah, blah, blah are. You had general badassery, which I won. I had political power. Yeah. Uh, historical significance, general badassery, brains, and who would throw a better party. <laughs> okay. So let's start with that last one. Clearly mm-hmm. reaching. You know what? When you get together a group of thingmen, the last thing you want is just cool guys to hang out with. What you're looking for with your thingmen are dudes who can make a difference when things go bad. What a telling statement, dudes, given that you haven't chosen a single woman for your uh, Well, I would say that I know you're trying to distract me from my time, but I'll say that in the uh, in Vatensdal saga, which we're not counting here, I did consider a female. A witch, in fact. <laughs> I'm going to say, first of all, that general badassery and political power I do have you on that one. Those are two that I have, uh, most certainly. Hrothenkel, extremely powerful, both physically and politically. Arnkel, same thing. Tungu Ad, better than most of your guys. Uh, Beard Brody, he wouldn't be in the Confederates if he wasn't uh, extremely powerful and influential. That's what makes him such a... Yes, he's a corrupt and horrible man. Well, but he's got influence and power. That's one thing I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Thorstein Ailson, same thing. Now, when you get into Halfred, Bercy, and Bjorn, maybe not quite as much, but they do come from good families. They are reputable, um, and they make good names for themselves. So I don't think I'm lacking for political power. Um, the historical accusation, 
eh, you know, nobody's probably ever heard of mine. But to be honest, the only person <laughs> anyone's ever heard of in yours is Leif Erikson. And that's the problem of working with the sagas of the Oh, Snorri Gothi? No one's heard of Snorri Gothi? Scofty Lawspeaker? Nobody. Thord Bellower? I challenge you to find one person that has heard of them that hasn't listened to our podcast. That's two minutes. I would argue that our uh, podcast is designed to help people to understand the historical significance of these sagas. I'm a little shocked that you don't agree. Thus, they know the importance of all the gentlemen in my list. Excuse me. I believe we're on to my minute for a final rebuttal. Please. Um, Ultimately, I'm just going to say that I stand by my argument. Our listeners can vote based on their assessment of our full lists using whatever criteria seem best to them. Uh, But I'm confident that my group is more politically powerful, more historically significant, more intelligent, and more fun than yours. Mm. I don't think that either one of us is a bad collection of Thingmen. Um, I really don't. I think we both actually got a pretty good selection so far. Uh, And I hope people understand that we're mainly just goofing around here. (laughs) Uh, But I I do think my group has the edge in a few ways, and I hope and trust that our listeners will see it that way too. Thank you. (laughs) Is that your your closing statement? That's my closing statement. beautiful. That's right. I I can afford to be high-handed here. All right, well... We'll just settle this with our axe hammers if things don't work out my way. <laughs> final rating. All right, before we get into our final ratings uh, summary, uh, I just got to say, <laughs> yes. I'm shocked how much you prepared for that uh, Thingman debate. Well, I thought it was important to stick to time. I have respect for our listeners' uh, time. I don't want to waste mm. any of their valuable minutes. <laughs> well, good for you. Uh, hopefully my half-assing <laughs> it doesn't hurt me in the uh, in the voting. <laughs> I'm sure it won't hurt you any more than your selections have already done. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's get to a brief recap of our final ratings. Very good. Uh, Nothing to vote on here, but uh, it's interesting to look back and see how these scores have played out. I think there is something to vote on here. What's that? Uh, Well, I'd like to hear from our listeners about which episode or maybe which saga they liked best. We should be able to maybe set that up with the polls. Uh, Should be pretty simple. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it's an excellent idea. And since you do all that stuff, uh, I wholeheartedly agree and say, go ahead, make more work for yourself. Okay, I will. Uh, And since you're the numbers guy, why don't you tell us some interesting facts uh, about our final ratings, uh, assuming maybe that there are some interesting things to share with us here. (laughs) Well, I'll do my best. Uh, start with an easy one. Uh, which saga would you say we've rated lowest overall? That one's actually very easy. It's gotta be Eric's saga. There just, it wasn't much there, not much to yeah. get excited about, except for a Unipin. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right, actually. Uh, I gave it a 3.5 and you gave it a 4, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it by quite a long stretch the lowest rated saga we've covered so far. Yeah. And deservedly so. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm glad we scored that one low because I often feel like we score these things high all the time. Like after we do final ratings, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, wow, we, we love these things so much. Like we each score <laughs> the sagas at like six or above, right? So there, mm-hmm. we must have a, an average of 12 overall. Um, hang on. So let me check that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Seven of the 10 mm-hmm. have been scored a combined 12 or better. There so you far. go. Uh, the other low scores, by the way, are for Gunlog Saga at 10.5 and Cormac Saga at 11. Although, to be fair, that one might be a victim of Poet Saga fatigue. Yeah, I wonder how it would have fared if we had broken things up a bit more. Probably better, I guess. Yeah, maybe a little uh, well, bit. You can't change the past. It was a sloppy <laughs> but fun saga, and I still think an 11 seems fair. Well, actually, let me remind you, I gave it a 6.5. You crucified it with a 4.5. It's a pretty harsh ruling, my friend. Well, 4.5? I don't remember that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I must have been exhausted or maybe too busy or something. It's at least a 5.5, but I'm not going higher than that. Well, no, we're not going to change the scores. Uh, that would bump it over a 12, but we uh, we stick by our, sta- our statements. Yes, we do. Now, 
which of the sagas would you say we scored highest? Um, I, I, I would have to say Erbig. I remember we gave it a pretty high score. It's got so much going on and so many memorable scenes, characters. Uh, there's lots of great violence in there. It's also got the highest body count, which really means something around here. We love that stuff. <laughs> well, no, I can see why you'd say that. And you're, you're very close. The winner was actually Gizli's Is saga. It? Wow. Uh, you gave it a nine. I actually gave it a 10, which is the only 10 either one of us has given mm-hmm. out so far. Uh, so that gives it a 19. Uh, which is one point ahead of Erbidget, which we both gave a nine. Only a nine. Mm-hmm. Now, you say that we scored it low. Nine, I think, is totally fair. Yeah. There's a good argument for Gizli being the better saga, so I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, let's finish this section off with a few averages. Averages. Shall okay. I? I, I doubt I can stop this ridiculous <laughs> conversation if I tried. So you go ahead with your averages. All right. I think you'll like this. Uh, would you say that your overall average has been higher or lower than mine? Average score as in, like, you added all of our scores together and divided by 10? Yes, that's how an average works. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to be clear on how huge a dork you are for the sake of the listeners. Oh, an absolutely massive dork, as if they had already known. Right, right. Okay, so uh, I generally assume that I'm a more positive and good person than you. So <laughs> I'm going to say a little higher, but not by much, maybe like a point higher. Well, you'd be wrong about that, so there. <laughs> Is that right? Well, so, okay, yeah. what are the averages? Oh, now you're interested in the scores. Yeah, that works. vaguely. Just tell me. What's the, what are the scores? <laughs> All right. Uh, so my average came in at a respectable 6.6. 6.6 seems awfully low. Are you telling me my average is lower than 6.6? Yes. I, really? I'm shocked. Okay, what is it? Well, your average is a nice round 6.55. Okay, first of all, it's not round. <laughs> but 6.55, that's the same thing as 6.6. Why didn't you round it up and call it even? Well, it was more fun to... Spring on that <laughs> You are ridiculous. All right. So the combined average must be something like uh, 13, 13 points or so for each saga. Yeah, very good. Yeah, it's a, it's an overall average of 13.5 for the first 10 sagas of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see whether the other quarter courts come in with higher or lower averages. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, for now, uh, I think I should say, and I, our listeners might be very glad to hear, that our very special <laughs> episode of Saga Thing, the first quarter court, has come to an end. So Arnold has learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> so has Dudley. Now, we're, we're going to turn <laughs> things over to you, our listeners now. Let you vote for your favorites in each of the categories. I have set up some polls on our website, sagathingpodcast.wordpress.com, for you to cast your vote. Right. Now, you, based on the way numbers seem to work for us, it usually takes about a month or so for the full Saga Thing audience to catch up. So we'll post an end date for the polls soon and then put together a brief results episode sometime in July or early August. I can't wait for that one. That's, that's going to be so much fun. I'll be checking those numbers constantly, but we won't be sharing those numbers with you until the time is right. So mm-hmm. be sure to vote so that your favorites can win. Uh, and since the results episode will likely be short. As if we can ever do anything quickly. Let's be realistic, John. Well, okay. And, and since we'll make sure that the results are short, mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be fun to fill out the rest of that episode with some listener questions or comments. Oh, that's actually a great idea. I, I, I really love interacting with the audience on Twitter and Facebook. So let's go ahead. Let's do it. Uh, so if you've got a question or a comment that you'd like us to read, please submit it to our email, sagathingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also send them to us through our Twitter account, obviously. 
Uh, we'll be happy to read them and uh, maybe even offer a few answers on our results show. In the meantime, keep up with us on Facebook and Twitter. Go get yourself a Saga Thing coffee mug, shirt, or for you true Vikings, a beer mug at sagathingpodcast.spreadshirt.com. <laughs> and please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Andy tends to upload the podcast a day or so before he posts an announcement or puts up links on the website. Uh, and that means subscribers get the podcast as soon as it's available rather than waiting for Andy to get around to all the mm-hmm. links. And last but certainly not least, we encourage as many of you as possible to rate us on iTunes. Even if you don't use That's it, right. like me. Yeah, and I don't use it either. Uh, but the right. And I also can't <laughs> review it because I do the podcast. <laughs> this is quite a ringing endorsement of iTunes, yeah. isn't it? Uh, the, but the best way to promote us, in all honesty, is uh, to and to help it grow is to rate it and review it on iTunes of all places. And one of these days, maybe we'll even rank somewhere on the iTunes charts. Now you're dreaming. Although I am sticking with the argument that we are the best podcast on the Icelandic sagas in the world until someone starts another one. Yes, we are. Uh, seriously, uh, to our audience, we need your help to justify the existence of this podcast to our peers. Um, we put a lot of time into this little endeavor, and while we have a great time doing it, the more people we can reach, the more we can justify our efforts in the academic arena where we work. Right, so please rate and review us, uh, and tell all your friends, both of them, about Saga Thing, <laughs> the little podcast that so could... now you're insulting them right after we ask them to rate our podcast? <laughs> I'm sorry, did I embarrass you? Uh, no more than usual, but yes. Thanks for listening, oh. everybody. We'll be back in a few weeks with the first installment of Gretir's Saga, and it's going to be great here. <laughs> Jesus. Bye for now. Keep on reading. Stop taunting me. I'm trying to present.